I just want to give honor and glory to God this morning for not only this, but every opportunity that I have to just stand before God's people. It's, it's, it's by the grace of God, just as, as Paul said, I, it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. And it's by his grace that each of us walks in who he's called us to be. I thank God for, for, for our, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ from, from the Connection Church. This morning, for, for, I want to kind of just start with this. For, for those that are, I would say, electronically inclined, we have an app. It's our Freedom app. It's Freedom Fellowship Church, comma, VA in your app store. And I point that out because for the sermon notes for this Sunday, you'll find them each Sunday in our, in our app. So if you download our app, Freedom Fellowship Church, comma, VA, in, in either App Store, Android, or Apple, and you click live stream, which is a button in the app, and there's this place that says sermon notes, and it goes through the, the sermon notes, and it's actually a little interactive um, to where you can fill in the blanks and all those things. For me, it, it, it kind of helps you to, to kind of follow along, and it, and it keeps you on track as we go along. But I'm excited about kind of what the Lord has done. It's a little bit about who we are and who God has called us to be. Freedom Fellowship Church, we believe that God has planted us right here in the middle of Dell City to, to make an impact and to, to, to reach many people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. This, that's what it's always been about. It's about more and more people coming to know Jesus. It's not just us coming together on, on Sunday morning, but it's the church, the body of Christ, advancing the kingdom Sunday through Saturday. Trusting God and, and blessing the Lord each day and each week. So the vision that God has given us is changing lives, changing the community, and, and changing the world. It's one person at a time. It's one life at a time. It's one yes and amen to Jesus at a time. It's, it's, it's one, hey, I'll walk with you as you're kind of walking in what it means to be a, a child of God. It's us walking together and working together to, to advance the kingdom of God. That's why it's so crucial that, that there's times like this when we, the body, come together. When, 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 when we get together on Sunday mornings, one of the things that, that I've kind of learned to pray, God I, I, God, I just pray that you're glorified in every city in our country and in every country in, on our world. And it's this beautiful kind of when you, when you understand it, this, this beautiful picture of this, this sweet aroma, this fragrance of praise going to, up to the, Lord's, to the Lord's nostrils of people. In every place. We come from different backgrounds, different climates, and, and kind of different kind of circumstances. But God says, in Christ, you can be one. In Christ, I can, I can knit together what the world over and over again tries to point to to drive us apart. I would tell you this morning that in Christ, there's nothing that we can't do. So we need to continue to walk in faith and, and trust the Lord. Amen. And this morning, this, this Sunday is, is a special Sunday. It's, it's Palm Sunday. It's this Sunday where we celebrate and, and look to kind of Jesus, his life, his, his, his death and his resurrection and, and what it means for us. This Palm Sunday, or oftentimes known as Passion Sunday, it's the first day of Holy Week. And it's a Sunday before Jesus would eventually go to the cross and be crucified and on the third day be raised to new life. And because of it, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his shed blood for us and because of his resurrection, we are now raised to new life in him. So we rejoice, amen. We remember, we reflect, and we rejoice in our Lord Jesus. And we look at his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. The triumphant entry is, is one of those, those special places in the, in the life of Jesus where it's captured in every single one of the Gospels. That doesn't happen often, but it points to the significance of it and how important it was that each of the gospel writers 
wrote it down and, and accounted for it and, and kind of wanted us to, to see it. And the beauty of it, we see it from different vantage points or different angles. Matthew writes about Jesus' triumphant entry in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 17. Mark in Mark 11, verses 1 through 11. Luke in Luke 19, verses 29 through 40. And John in John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. This also means that this significant instance was, was, was kind of understood by all, and there's really not much debate about whether or not it actually happened. And it's called Palm Sunday because it because it is associated with the blessing and procession of palms. These these leaves of the date palm or twigs from locally available trees that the people they laid at Jesus's feet as he entered into Jerusalem. In John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19, John writes, the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that he had been with, sorry, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb had raised him and had raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. And just a note, I, I'm reading from, and, and for the most part, for a lot of today, I'll, I'll teach from the ESV, the English Standard Version. For me, when I, I think about Palm Sunday, there's so many different aspects of it that, that kind of come to, to, to the forefront of, of my mind as I look at it. I look at it as a, as a scene with all these different angles, and, and depending on where you are or from what angle you're looking at, a different aspect of it comes to the forefront. When I look to Jesus, I, I see all these people who are, who are, who are rejoicing and he's, they're laying these palms. But, but scripture tells us that as he drew near to Jerusalem, that Jesus was weeping. In the midst of this rejoicing, Jesus was weeping and he was weeping for those who, who didn't and wouldn't, wouldn't realize that he was the Messiah that they had waited for for so long. That, that still amazes me to this day. Even for those who don't know, I'm, I'm bivocational, meaning I, I, I kind of... I, Outside of kind of, the, I won't say outside of the ministry, we're, we're in every area of our lives, we're called to, to be representatives for Christ. But, but I have another job that I do, amen? And, and at that place, we have a Bible study, and we spent some time this past week, and we talked a little bit about, about our Jewish brothers and sisters. And, 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 the, and I understand that in the fullness of time, they will come to know Jesus in and, and, and God's fullness of time. But, but I, I still think about, like, the Messiah that they waited for and they are still waiting for, he, he's already come and he's coming again. And, and in this moment, Jesus is, is weeping, saying, if you would only know the, the time of your visitation, God has spoken about me coming over and over again throughout Scripture. If you would look at the text over and over again, Jesus, one after another, other, fulfilled everything that God has said of the Messiah. He over and over again did it, showed them that, that he was the Messiah, that he was and is the, the chosen one of Israel. And he's weeping, saying, if you would know the day of your visitation. And in the midst of this, there are many who are rejoicing and they're crying out, Hosanna. But in this scene, there's joy and weeping in the same place. There's rejoicing and, and plotting amongst the, the scribes and the Pharisees all in the same place. And for the many who would cry out, Hosanna, 
Oftentimes this Hosanna we render as, 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 as glory or praise, but, but the root of it is, is save us or deliver us, please. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. As we spend time and as we embarked on this, I would say this trip through the book of Ephesians, I pray that you would know that Jesus came first and foremost to supply our deepest need. And that's redemption and salvation and reconciliation with God. And as a new creation in him, we receive and experience freedom, peace and blessing in every area of our lives. I remember when I was an undergrad, we talked about these, these, these kind of spillover benefits, these, these added blessings. The overall, the, the most important gift that we've ever received is relationship with Christ. And as we walk as children of God, everything else begins to, to get set in order. As we walk as children of God, the blessings of God, the, the blessing of, of our father begin to, to rain down, down on our children. It's, it's not something that we did to earn it. It's not based on the best of my ability. It's not based on the best of my intellect. But when I surrender to God things begin to change. When I, when I say yes and amen to Jesus, things begin to change in my life. When I say yes and amen to Jesus, he begins to bless me. And I'm like, Lord, I didn't deserve it. He's like, I didn't give it to you because you deserved it. I bless you because I love you. There's something beautiful about having a, a humble heart, understanding and knowing that it's, it's not the best of my ability that, that God had done. You know, in fact, I, I realized in coming to Christ that, that I couldn't get it done on my own, that I couldn't bridge this gap on my own. Jesus said, I did it for you. All you need to do is receive me. All you need to do is say yes to me. The title of this message and really the focus of what I'm going to talk about today is in him. And we're going to spend some time in Ephesians chapter one. This book, this book of, of Ephesians, it's really Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And, it's, and this, this letter from Paul, this letter from Paul was, was to, 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 not only, to, kind of, to not only strengthen them, but that they would kind of know that he loved them and, and cared for them. And he was writing to them out of that place of, of love for them. And if I could sum up Ephesians, really this, this book is it's bodybuilding. It's, it's Paul encouraging the church, not just at Ephesus, but, but the church of Christ as a whole each of us walking together. And in chapter one, because that's the focus for today, there's this consistent progression of thought being made, and that is in him. After each in him, he breaks, there's a breakdown of what was accomplished in him. Paul reflects on the superiority of Christ, who is the head of the body of Christ, and on what he has done and what it means to us. I believe there's these three themes throughout Ephesians chapter one. The first being his supremacy or his superiority, the supremacy of Christ. The second being what he accomplished when he went to the cross, what Jesus accomplished. And then what does it mean for me and you? Starting with the, the intro and, and in Ephesians chapter one, verses one through six. Paul starts by establishing the audience. He establishes the audience in verses one and two. He says, I, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said, Paul was writing to the to the saints at Ephesus. Ephesus was the most important city in, in Western Asia Minor or now known as Turkey. And it had this harbor that was that was extremely important to the Roman Empire. And it opened into the Casper or Castor River, which in turn emptied into the Aegean Sea. Because of this, this was this intersection was a major trade route and Ephesians became a commercial center. And in this city, 
There was this temple to the, to the, to the Roman goddess Diana or the, or the Greek Artemis. And if you read Ephesians, or sorry, if you read Acts chapter 19, you, 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 you learn about how Paul went up against this, this kind of silversmith, Demetrius. And how Paul, and, and drawing many people to Christ, all the, just as he asked was the case in most of the places, when all these little kind of little gods, little G gods, these fake gods, these, these gods made with human hands, that when you, when you come to experience the, the true king, the, the king of kings and the lord of lords, all those other things begin to fade away. So Paul started to ruffle some feathers when he told him that that those little handmade gods, they're no they're no more valuable than the metal or the wood that they're carved out of or made out of. As they as the people he encountered, he pointed them to Jesus and they began to to ruffle many feathers in this area. And Paul spent about three years there with them in Ephesus. And later on, he he wrote this letter back to the church at Ephesus. And it wasn't just meant for them, as I, as I said before, but this was possibly meant to, to, as a circulating, to be a circulating letter intended for other churches in addition to the one at Ephesus. Ephesus. And it's believed that Paul might have written this about the same time that he wrote Colossians while he was in prison in Rome. But unlike several of the other letters that Paul wrote, Ephesians did not address any particular error or heresy. Paul wrote to expand the horizons of his readers to, so that they might understand better the dimensions of God's eternal purpose and grace and come to appreciate the high goals and standards God has for his church. After establishing the audience, Paul immediately points to God's supremacy or God's superiority. I want to take time this weekend, and really my goal this week is to understand that, that Ephesians chapter 1, the rest of Ephesians, it hangs on that. If we understand, if we get the first part right, then we begin to, to read out everything else in the, in the proper context. I want us to understand that, that Ephesians wasn't written. Paul, he didn't write it chapter and verse. He, this was one letter written to the church. We read it, we, we kind of understand it, and it's breaking down, broken down in chapter and verse so that if I'm re referencing Ephesians, I can't just say somewhere in Ephesians it says this. You can say chapter this, verse this, this is what it says. As you're memorizing, it's, it's for our learning, it's for us to, to be edified, it's for us to understand the word of God and be able to reference it and go back to it over and over again. That's where chapter and verse comes from. But in verses 3 through 6, Paul writes this to the church. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which, with which he has blessed us in the beloved Paul takes time to point to the supremacy of, of Christ and, and really verse one through six, it really sums up the entire first chapter. You can see all of chapter one in these first six verses. But this is the start. This is how Paul starts. He, he starts by pointing to the audience, identifying the audience. Then he goes into pointing to the supremacy of Christ. As I said before, everything that we talk about is in Christ is as we are hidden in him, as we are wrapped in Christ, as our identity is found in Christ. Because if my identity is in Christ, it doesn't matter what I see on the outside. If my identity is, is wrapped in Christ, it doesn't matter what I hear. Because everything that I say, I, I, when, I, when I hear these things out there, I, I go back and say, what does God say about me? Yeah. 
What has God said? And if God has said it, then it's true. If it's, the, if it's an outside voice, those are things that I want to eradicate. If it's an outside voice, those are the things that I want to, to shut out because I want what God wants for me. I want to, be, I want to, to see myself for, for who I am in Christ. These first six verses, six verses, they sum up everything that Paul is going to say in the rest of this chapter. He goes on in verse seven through 10 and talking about in him, there's redemption. Thank you, Lord, that there's redemption in you. Even as we look to next week to, to Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we rejoice in, in the life we now have. Jesus is already paid. He's, he's no longer on the cross. He's already resurrected. And in fact, he's at the right hand of God, the father. They're living in that they're living in that 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 post resurrection life. And Paul is saying, listen, in, in Christ, you now have redemption because of what he's already done, not because of what he's going to do, not because of what you're still fighting for, but because of what Jesus already did. When he said it was finished, it was, in fact, done. So he goes on in verse starting in verse seven and he says in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Thank you, Lord. According to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. According to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Family, it's important that we understand that we're not fighting for something that Jesus has already given us. We already have life in Christ. Amen. Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, his blood gave us redemption. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. I thank God that he gave his life for me. I rejoice in the life I now have because of him, because there, there, was, there was no way in and of myself to do it. You see, that's the difference between our faith and, and every other faith. Everything else is workspace. Everything else is, is, is my own righteousness. Everything else is, my, is, is I, what I can do, what I can do for salvation, what I can do to build myself. If I, I need to be more holy, I need to be more this, I need to be more that, I need to be more enlightened, I need to, I need to be more kind of this or these things or those things. Christ said, listen, the best of your ability won't get it done. But rejoice because I've already done it for you. All you need to do is say yes and amen to me. All you need to do is believe and you will receive. That's the blessing and the joy of the gospel. Jesus paid the price for our sin through his life. No one took it from him, but he gave it freely. I love to over and over again remind us of that. Jesus said, no one takes my life. I, I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I, I have the authority to, to take it up again. So Jesus gave his life as us as a, as a free gift, the free gift of God. So we walk in newness of life in him. The forgiveness of sin by grace, by his grace, amen. So we walk day by day, trusting the Lord. We walk day by day, not trusting on our own ability, not trusting on the best of what we can do. She knows the truth. I'm already sweating. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God for servants of God. 
So Paul already knows, and he, he, if, you, if you read the scriptures, you know over and over again, Paul talks about the, the grace of God. It's only by the grace of God that I am what I am. Even in, in 1 Corinthians in chapter, chapter 15, verses 9 and 10, he talks about how, how he wasn't even counted worthy to be called an apostle. And oftentimes we think of this as, as Paul's just being humble. Paul's just like, Paul knows that he should be an apostle. He's just being humble. No, he's saying that, that, that I end of myself, I was a persecutor of the church. And how would God, but, and, it, and it, how would the, the, the God of the universe see me who was a persecutor of the church, see me for who I used to be? And not only save me, but allow me to, to be a servant of God, allow me to be used of God. Then he sums it up by saying, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. There's something about that that humbles me over and over again, because when I, when I think about the best of my ability and I think about how I can't get it done, I think about and, and, and some of those who, who kind of know a little bit of my story, I think about little Horace and, and how like when I was a kid, I, I was going through speech classes and all these things. And, and, and then or even five, 10 years ago to be standing in front of God's people, I'm like, Lord, you picked the wrong one. But by the grace of God, we need to understand that it's not our ability, but it's God working in and through us. It's when we're, amen, when we're obedient to what God has called us to do, he can use even the most broken vessels. He can use even the least of us. So I'm here to tell each of you, as you trust God, if you walk in who he's called you to, to be, in every place he's called you to be his disciples, he's called you to be his witnesses, to tell of who he is and what he's done, to declare the good news of Jesus Christ and how. He saved us with his blood. He redeemed us. And in Christ, it's, it doesn't stop there. And we don't, we don't just get a, a get out of hell free card. He calls us to walk day by day with him. And as we walk in the Lord, as we trust the Lord, we begin to, to grow in the knowledge and understanding of, of who he is. He begins to transform us more and more into the very image of Christ. Paul is praying for the church. He's saying, listen, I, I want you to understand that, that Jesus already paid for it. And, and through his life, his death and his resurrection, you have new life in him. And that new life is each of us day by day walking anew in Christ. Us walking day by day, him, him transforming our mind more and more into the, to the very mind of Christ. It's him transforming and renewing us in him. And Paul is pointing out kind of the big picture for, for each of us. He says, listen, in him, in Christ, this is God's plan. This is Christ's plan to fulfill the fulfillness of, in the fulfillness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And as we grow in the knowledge and understanding of him, as we grow in the, 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 the desire to, to, to submit our will, surrender our will to Christ, God works in and through us. We be, he begins to, to change the things in our life. We, it begins to be not about this or not about that. I'll tell you, when I, was so much, when I was younger, I had all these goals, right? God, I want to do this thing and I want to do that thing. God, I, I want to make this much money. I want to have this car. I want to have this house. He begins to, to change and transform our, our desires. God, I want just one more, people to, one more person to know you. God, if it be your will, Lord, I just, I just want that, that cousin, that, that sister, that friend, that, that coworker. I, I just want them to, to know you because I've been praying for them. And, 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 and God, you show me some things in their life. And if they would just say yes to you. He's tried everything else. She has tried everything else but Christ. And Christ is the one person. I won't say thing. Christ is the, 
If you would just say yes to Christ, things would begin to change in your life. Paul is Paul is encouraging the church. He's he's continuing to point them to what what are we here for? What have we been called to do? What is our identity in Christ? We already have the victory in him. We're not fighting for it. We already have it. He's already redeemed us. And in him, we also have an inheritance and a heavenly inheritance. In verses 11 and 12, Paul says, in him, we have obtained an inheritance. We have already obtained it in him. From the moment we say yes and amen to, to Christ, we have already received it. We've already obtained it. It's, it's now our inheritance in Christ. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope, in Christ might be the, to the praise of his glory. God knew he predestined and established his purpose for those who put their faith in Christ. God's promise to us is it was the same. It's the same to us now as it was to them then. And Paul, by the grace of God, he wanted them to understand and know kind of as you're, as you're out there walking day by day in Christ, I want you to remember what you're fighting for and who you're fighting for. As you're walking day by day in Christ, I want you to remember kind of what is your mission statement to go into the highways and the byways and compel people to come to Christ. Yes, there's, there's things we do, but ultimately the goal is to glorify God. Ultimately, the goal is to point others to Christ. Ultimately, the goal is that, that Christ may be glorified in and through our life and that one more person may come to know him. This is the beauty of, of, of walking in who God has called us to be. All we need to do is be obedient. God doesn't call us to try to figure it out or, or fight it out or, or, or work it out on our own. God calls us to day by day die to ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. That as we do so, we shine our light for Jesus. As we do so, God is glorified. In verses 13 through 14, the Lord shows us that our faith is, is in him. In verse 13, he says, in him, you also, when you heard the word of, of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We need to understand that we are brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Looking at verses 13 and 14, this is, this is how verses 1 through 10 become our reality. It's, it's the fulfillment of God's promises. When we surrender to the Lord, when we're found in him, not working to the best of my ability, not Horace walking and operating by his flesh. But when we are in him, when we're trusting the Lord day by day, when we're saying, Lord, you know what? This is my will, but God, not my will be done, but your will be done. God, today I'm going to make it my aim to glorify you in, in every moment of my day. And Lord, I understand and know that I need your strength and I need you to lead every moment of my day. When our prayers begin to be from moment to moment, God, I just want you to be glorified. In the situation, in the circumstance in my life as a whole, God, I don't want to react. I want to respond by your grace. Holy Spirit, lead me in every moment today. Paul is laying this down, what it, what it, kind of, what it looks like when we walk by faith, when we put our trust in him. He says we trust it. When we trust it, meaning that we have believing faith, we received. I would tell you, brothers and sisters, that faith is required. This walk with Christ, faith is required. Day by day, we're required to, to walk by faith. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you take nothing else from today, 
I hate to say that because I'm like, I pray that you take everything from today. <laughs> but if you take nothing else from today, I pray that you would know that, that God has called you to walk by faith. He's called you to stand on and, and walk in his word. Even if sometimes you're like, Lord, I don't, I don't see it. But he says, I'm telling you to walk by faith. I don't see it. God. Walk by faith. You know my word. You know what I've spoken. You know what I've already told you to do. Walk by faith. And some of the scariest times walking by faith has yielded some of the most beautiful fruit. So as we walk by faith, as we trust the Lord day by day, God is glorified. We receive the blessing. We receive the gospel. As we believe, we receive and we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This is assurance of salvation and, and no one can snatch us from our Father's hand. No one can snatch you from the Father's hand. No one can, can separate you from the love of God. We trust the Lord and we trust that he will lead us and guide us, but we also trust that day by day, he will give us what we need to accomplish what he's called us to do. And as we do so, God shows up time and time again. He's faithful over and over again. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the God that we serve. So Paul is laying this out for us. He's saying, listen, I, I need you to understand what it looks like when you walk as a child of God. I, I need you to understand that it's not the best of your ability, Elder Joe. It's not the best of your ability, Rob. I get to pick on new people this week. I got like, I got six weeks to pick on new people. The freedomites are like, can you just stop calling on me? Because that hurt. It's not the best of our ability, but as we trust God and we allow the Lord to work in and through us, he gets the glory. And we get the, ben the, the benefit of seeing God working. We get the benefit of being a part of what is God is doing in the earth. I thank God that he allows me the, the, the blessing and the, the honor of being a part of what he's doing in the earth. The blessing of God is not just about receiving things. It's not about, it's, God says, listen, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. The Bible describes us as co-workers or, or co-laborers in the gospel. This is a beautiful picture of, of God working and allowing us to be a part of what he's doing. Just as a father allows a, a, a child to, to, to help and to be a part of things. It, I, I would tell you what, I don't know how he does it because having my kids help me with the simplest of things. I could do this in two minutes, but together it takes us two hours. But I know I'm supposed to do that. And my wife reminds me over and over again that it's good to do that. Amen. But God is patient with us because he loves us and he allows us to be a part of what he's doing in the earth. And finally, I'll, I'll close with this last point, kind of looking to verses 15 through 23. We come to Paul's response to the saints because of their faith in the Lord. Starting in verse 15, Paul writes, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, which are the, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he who worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every nation that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. 
And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fulfillment of him who filled all in all. Paul is praying and he's rejoicing in the Lord. He's, he's praying for the saints, but he's also rejoicing in what God has done. And he's, he's looking to the body and looking at how, how Jesus, when he went to the cross, what he fulfilled. And how in him we now have life and we have it to the full. We have this abundant life in Jesus. So how did Paul respond? He gave thanks. He gave thanks for, to God for the gospel going forward. He re rejoiced in the, the gospel advancing. He rejoiced in and more and more people coming to know Jesus and, and walking as children of God. And he, set to give, and, he, and he sought to give encouragement to them as they walk, to guide them as a, a father would guide his child. And he saw them as his servants or his children, God's servants. And he praised God for them, but he also prayed for them fervently. Throughout Ephesians, he, throughout Ephesians and really throughout the epistles, he's praying for the saints. As he's encouraging them, he's also praying for them. And just as much as he's praying in these letters, you can, all, you can only understand and believe that he's praying even more for them in his personal prayers with God. Because he sought for each of them to walk in who God had called them and created them to be. He prayed for the spirit of wisdom and of, and of revelation and knowledge in God and who he is and who he's called us to be in him. And he continued, he, he prayed for a continued enlightenment and the hope of the gospel. And I'll close with this as we get ready to, to receive communion. We're going to do communion today. Isn't God good? Yes. The body of Christ coming together to, to receive of communion and receive of the, of the elements. I thought it was only right. And we normally do it on the first Sunday, but the first Sunday of each month. But I got even more excited knowing that you all, our brothers and sisters in Christ, will be here with us. Amen. But I'll close with this. What I don't want us to understand or see when we, we read through, through Ephesians chapter 1, I don't want us to see this as a, a treasure chest of blessings where I can just pick from it and say, God, I want this one, I want this one, this looks good, this is right, and I don't want that, I want this and then that. This speaks to the, to, to the identity and inheritance of a surrendered, bought-with-the-blood believer in Christ. Someone in relationship with Christ through his finished work on the cross, our, our, our believers in him, as, as we trust him day by day, we walk in this, this newness in him. Day by day, this is our identity. You're no longer who you once were. You are a new creation in Christ. And as we walk in and accept or grab hold of this new life in him, all of this is found in him. And you must go to him to receive it. You must day by day continue to go back to the well, go back to Christ, go back to the Lord. Paul sums up this first chapter or, or the first portion of this of this letter with each of these books. Or sorry, he sums up this, this first portion of the letter with verses 20 through 23. He says that he worked in Christ when he, he's talking about kind of everything that he talked about to this point. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in, in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he, God, put all things under his, Jesus Christ's feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fulfillment or the fullness of him who filled all in all. <laughs> 